Dear friend, one of the funniest humans I know, Greg Kettner. Thank you. You will see, he's told me that he'll save all of his jokes for the inappropriate times of this podcast. But here's what I want you to know that I met Greg, it was probably 12 years ago. I was recruiting for inside salespeople at Business Objects, which is now SAP. And I always looked to you and said, how the heck did you ever get into sales? And you were just like one joke away from this being the best thing ever. (laughs) And I love it. So we were based in Vancouver at the time. You're now on the other side of the border. Tell me the sales story that, that I'm not remembering. How did you enter the world of sales? Because this is funny. The world of of sales with Bob Jay or before, before Bob Jay? It can be before Bob Jay. Okay. I was, uh, I got graduated from college and moved to Seattle uh, and started working. I helped open up the Nike town uh, in Seattle, Washington. And after about six or eight months of figuring out that just their practices are the child labor and everything. And to work your way up, you either had to sleep with your boss or pay them off. And my boss was a guy. So <laughs> I kind of had this epiphany. I'm like, I really don't want to do this anymore. But I, I love, I mean, growing up Canadian, loved hockey. And so I called up the local WHL hockey team, Seattle Thunderbirds, and said, hey, I want to do sales for you. And they're like, well, what's your experience? I'm like, I have none, but I can sell. And so I got a job. So I started in hockey. And from there, I worked for Seattle for three or four years. And then I went up to Vancouver for a weekend, met some of the sales guys, and begged them for a job, basically. So I went up uh, for an interview. And on my way up, my buddy had just opened up a Krispy Kreme in Seattle. And so he gave me two dozen donuts, which I took up to him and walked into the interview with these two dozen donuts. And afterwards, I found out that everybody, all the other salespeople, like, hire this guy (laughs) 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 if he has access to donuts. So that's kind of how I got in. And then I worked for the Canucks for five years. We had a great run where you had, I think, 320 consecutive sellouts. Wow. And then from there, we didn't need an outside sales team anymore. Mm. So, I mean, it was just renewals. So we went from 22 sales people to five, right? Because for renewals, you're just taking credit cards and you want your seats next year and that kind of thing. Yeah. And so that's when I started looking and that's when I met you and started off at, at Bob J. Now, it's very timely. We're in the midst of the COVID pandemic. And yeah. here we are talking about, you know, a lot of people getting laid off. And it's pretty sad. You know, the world of recruiting is not the same as it once was by any means. Yeah, absolutely. And there's something really beautiful about you and the story and where we're at today, because who would have thought that you could say, I love hockey, and then it take you on this journey from, you know, hockey to software to now you're back down in Washington. And yet you have a really rad side hustle as a comedian and making people laugh and I was so excited to talk to you because I was like you know beyond sales there's never been a more important time for us to remember the power of humor and the power of jokes and you have I mean your fair share of the naughty jokes but the best thing is you actually have corporate humor that's 
that's brilliant and beautiful. And I want to know when and how you became so freaking funny, Kettner. I, <laughs> I don't know. I guess, I guess I've always been, uh, I, I was a class clown, always, you know, trying to make people laugh. I'm a middle child. Maybe that's it. But I, I really didn't even start the stand-up till when I was at uh, Business Objects. I went to a comedy club one night because I've always admired, you know, the comedians growing up. And so I went to a comedy club, and after the show, I went up to the headliner. His name is Mike McDonald. Uh, he was a great man. He recently passed away. Uh, but I asked him, I said, "How I want to do what you do. How do I do this? And he said, well, you need to get five minutes and then beg the club owner to get on. And so that's what I did. I started going back every week, and I had five minutes, and then five minutes became ten, and then ten became twenty, and twenty became an hour. And then I, I got the opportunity to work with guys like Robin Williams and Norm MacDonald and Gilbert Gottfried. And I don't know, it just, it happened. And it's because of humor and, and what happened at that SAP conference that ended my life. And now because of it, I work currently at the Chambers, my, my real job in, in the speaking is a side hustle. Mm -hmm. But if it wasn't for that one event, I wouldn't be married. I'd be <laughs> in somebody's basement, probably couch surfing <laughs> at 47, but I have, a, I have a great life. I have an amazing wife and a beautiful daughter and, and life is good. And I, I get paid. People pay me to make them laugh. I'm lucky, very lucky. Oh, buddy. But wait, can you tell us about the SAP gig that you speak of, this pivotal moment? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll keep it short. As you know, and you weren't there, were you? you I was not there, okay. but... Um, your legacy lives on, and you can be assured that I was in Vancouver, and this was in Vegas, I believe, yeah? Yeah. Everyone in Vancouver knew about 10 minutes after this happened. The word traveled oh, really? very fast. So while I was not there in the flesh, I was certainly made very aware of this very quickly. Yeah, no, it, it was one of those those uh, things in life where I, I took the opportunity, and it was it was pure luck and pure happenstance because I... I, I don't know. I think it was you that asked me to, to roast the VPs in Vancouver for a Christmas party. Anyway, maybe. <laughs> no, but it was good because I emailed them and said, hey, this is what I want to say about you. Can I? And so I got up at the Christmas party uh, a month before and started saying these things. And everybody's like, oh, my God, Kettner's saying this stuff. But I knew, HR knew, and the VPs knew. So every, it was all cleared, right? So we're down in Vegas. And every year we go down there for the sales kickoff, 3,500 people. And every year they would hire a celebrity, $30,000, $40,000 to MC the awards banquet. I remember it was my birthday. It was a Wednesday night, 3,500 people at Blasio. The comedian got up, started this whole event. And it was a big deal. Like the number one salesperson that year could walk in any Porsche dealership and walk away with whatever Porsche they wanted. I mean, those were the stakes. So, I mean, a lot of money and a lot of time was spent into this. Well, seven minutes into this event, the comedian wasn't doing very well at all. And he kind of dug himself a hole and the first presenter came out and as the presenter walked off, the comedian said a very derogatory uh, comment about sexual orientation. And that's when the whole night stopped. Very awkward. Like the lights came on, he threw the mic down, they cut the mic, the band started playing. Like it was, I'm sitting at the back of the room with 10 people I had never met before and going, wow, I would not want to be that guy. And about five minutes after that, over the PA system, as I remember, it sounded like the voice of God. <laughs> <laughs> they said, ladies and gentlemen, we are so very sorry for what just happened. We will get back to you momentarily. But if anyone knows where Greg Kettner is, we need to talk to him immediately. 
And right then I shut up. I'm not, I'm not Greg Kettner. I'm not. <laughs> and then I thought, I'd go, well, maybe, who was, I, who was I with last night and how much did I drink? That was my first thought. And so I didn't say anything to anybody. We just kind of kept on eating like, wow, this is, I mean, because we had another three hours of this whole event. So about five minutes after that, they said, seriously, if anybody knows where Greg's sitting, they know his cell phone number, his room number, we need to talk to him. And that's when my, uh, my former friend, Trevor, <laughs> <laughs> came running over about three tables like, dude, they want you to go do stand-up. You got to help them out. And I was like, I, but now the whole table knew, right? So I got outed. So I'm walking backstage and uh, I said, hi, I'm Greg. I hope I'm not fired. And they said, no, we heard you did stand-up comedy. We needed to go up and do 15 minutes. And I was like, whoa. Because at this point, I, I couldn't remember my name or any of my fart and poop jokes. <laughs> so I'm standing there, and then uh, Steve came up, Steve Lucas, and said, you're right, buddy, we got this. And they started wiring me up with a microphone, and we're standing on the back. And I remember it. I was on the top stair. There was a huge curtain in front of me. And I had only done, like, yuck yucks, like for 30 people. Yeah. The Christmas party. So Steve went out there and introduced me. He said, ladies and gentlemen, sorry, but we have a replacement. He's one of our own from Vancouver, Greg Kettner, walked out to stand ovation. And I was just like, this is not happening at yeah. all. Yeah. And so I kind of, I just gathered my wits and I, I talked about Vegas and how I'd blown my whole paycheck. I bought a t-shirt on the strip. <laughs> just like stupid stuff, right? I, I, I couldn't think of one joke. But then towards the end, because I'm in sales, I thought I would ask to get on President's Club because President's Club that year was a... a $10,000 cruise through Turkey, Italy, and Greece, and you could take somebody. And I was nowhere near President's Club hitting my numbers. So I just said, you know what, I, uh, I want to, in front of all y'all, I want to admit I didn't hit my number, I uh, didn't get President's Club, but I'm kind of helping out the company tonight. <laughs> and I go, is there any way I can get on the boat? And then I shut up. And this guy, I think it was John, the president of Business Objects, Walked up to the front row, whispered in my ear, he goes, dude, you're on the boat. We'll talk about it after. And so I leaned down and I go, this guy says I'm on the boat. I didn't know who he was. Oh. <laughs> I go, what's your name? He's like, John, I'm the president of the company. I'm like, oh, the president says I'm on. And so I, you know, I tell the story now. I, I did 15 minutes of stand-up in Vegas. I got a $10,000 trip. That's 40 grand an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm back to playing pubs again. <laughs> So, but, but it was that night, you know, six months later, I, I quit my job at Business Objects and I started doing stand-up and I toured across the States and across Canada and one thing led to another and I started headlining and then I was in Medford, Oregon and after show night, I was on Facebook and started talking to an old friend from college who is now my wife and then once you get married, you can't be on the road 300 nights a year. So I pivoted again and now I'm going and talking to people. Uh, you know, small to large businesses on how we can use humor in our lives to lower our stress, be more healthy, be more mentally healthy, uh, more productivity, all that kind of stuff. But if it wasn't for that one chance, I mean, there are, there's kind of opportunities all through life, right? If we don't take them, but I, I had the opportunity to say no backstage, but then I'm like, you know what, if, if I don't do this, I don't have a story for my grandkids or a story to tell you or <laughs> so, yeah, that, that was it. That, that was my big aha moment. Uh, Kettner, this is like the epitome of pivoting, of taking the chance, of asking for the boat, of 
you know, I love the story of you reaching out to your now wife on Facebook, because what else do you do after a show when you're on the road? And it just feels so opportune. And the reality that this was, was it 10 years ago now? Yeah, 10 years ago. ago. I mean, a decade ago. And there couldn't be a more powerful story of right now to be told. Like the power of pivoting and the power of reaching out and the power of connecting and the power of where a joke will take you. And I just want to know what it's like to have the guts to ask the question the first time. Like when you're backstage and you're like, what does it take to show up? And what does it take to make the ask or ask the girl or be there like you've done? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I'm, my parents raised me to always go for what I want. And, and if you don't ask, you know, you're never going to know. And, and it's tough at times to have those opportunities. But it, I mean, I remember it was, it was backstage and from when they made that final announcement to me walking on stage, must've been six or seven minutes. Wow. I mean, that whole night is just a blur. But I thought, you know what? At that point, I was like, man, it would always be fun to be a headliner, to be in a big room. And here I was, 3,500 people. I'm like, well, it's now or never. And I'm like, I went out and I was like, well, can't be any worse. Yeah. <laughs> right? And, and once you get that first laugh, and, and I still get nerves mm-hmm. going on stage or, or doing corporate events. Yeah. But once you walk out there, you know, I know I have a story to share because I was lucky. I mean, I a lot of preparation, a lot of guts, I guess. But if I didn't have that opportunity, I mean, not every comedian who's done it for six months gets thrown in front of 3,500 people. Right, totally. <laughs> and, gets, and gets a trip through Europe. <laughs> right, totally. I yeah. always say that if I don't ask, you can't say yes. Yep. And my brother, very innocently, likes to yeah. say that no does not mean stop. Yep. And I'm like, well, bro, bro, there's this thing called the Me Too movement and yep. consent and, and no means stop. <laughs> and he's like, yes, yes, no means stop. Different arenas, different yeah, arenas. Exactly. And I just think there's no better time than right now to be, to be asking and be asking the question perhaps a lot mm-hmm. and knocking on the doors and choosing to pivot and, you know, pivoting to be home instead of on the road 300 days. And I just, I really commend you and I love that you have chosen these things with the guts that you have to create the life that you have and you still make me laugh and (laughs) I wish I could just remember the jokes and like be like Kettner. So all this has happened, a decade's passed, we're in the midst of the pandemic. What's next? What's needed now? What are you up to? I recently started a Facebook page called The Humor Lab and in less than 20 days we have 2,700 people sharing PG cartoons, jokes, memes, whatever videos. And it's, it's been amazing because I've heard from people from high school that this is exactly what we need. And, you know, just in the research, um, kids, you know, laugh up to 300 times a day, you know, kids like seven, eight, nine adults is 17. So there's something wrong with that. Right. I mean, that's a huge, huge number for 300 down to 17. But I mean, just, just the benefits of laughter when, when we're laughing, and it's a group thing too. That's why we do it in a, a comedy club. It's, it would be a lot different if I told you a joke like I was in a comedy club because there's two of us laughing. Right. right. And hopefully I'm not laughing at all my own jokes all the time. <laughs> I mean, I think I'm at least 30 people worth of laughter. Yeah, absolutely. But you I know, love your it, jokes. It's, it's a crowd thing. And, and once somebody gets going, 
but you know, I, I encourage everybody to, to YouTube, whether it's cat videos or, you know, your favorite comedian. And, and there's a huge range of laughter from PG to X rated and yeah. you know, different strokes for different folks, but it's yeah. the power of laughter and it, it helps our immune system mm. with this virus. You know, there, there are studies at the University of Kentucky where people who laugh, their shorter operating times, shorter hospital stays, and quicker recoveries. Mm. And that's from laughing because it releases those powerful endorphins and, and mentally as well, too. Totally. I yeah. mean, it's hard for me to believe the things that you say are true because I think everything's a joke. No. But I know that these things are, in fact, true and yeah, are, in fact, fact. And one of the things that I have enormous respect for you on is I only knew comedians and I put them in the box of of it only being dirty and x-rated I didn't know that we could laugh at anything else and so I remember learning that you were a comedian and thought John Schwartz was his name the president of the company and he was based in Germany and he was a wonderful man but I was like, he's not going to think dirty jokes are funny. Like th- that was not his version of humor. And you had so many jokes that were, of course, not dirty. And we all just howled at. And I don't know if you remember, but we had a lot of conversations about you learning how to be a comedian. Yeah. And you would tell me the process you would go through and memorizing your jokes. And like, it's a true art and studying laughter and I just think it's so misunderstood or it's so easy to write it off that it's just, you know, another dirty joke about someone's mom. Yeah. And that's completely not true and not the case. And so I think that your chosen art is a beautiful thing. We are so much better for it. And I'll make sure that we link below to Humor Lab so that we all can follow and get our our daily jokes. I have a few rapid fire questions I want to, I'm super curious about. Yeah, I want your pew, pew, pews. Where do you go for inspiration in any regard uh, in life, not just jokes? Probably just life. I mean, my wife, Becky's amazing. So, I mean, obviously not all the inspirations for, I mean, but I, you know, I have comedian friends. I have sales friends. Mm-hmm. Just listening to people, listening to stories. And my comedy's evolved as well, too. When I first started out, it was fart and poop jokes. Yeah. And now it's, now it's more about family and, and raising a, a 15-year-old stepdaughter and, and that kind of thing. So there's humor in everything. I, I think it's just the, the angle that you choose to look at life. Mm. Fair. Podcasts or books? Not yet, but I'm, I'm working on a podcast I was working on this morning that I'm going to start, and I'll talk to you offline about this, called My First Time. And I want <laughs> to talk to comedians about their first time on stage. Amazing. And, and Amazing. just share stories, you know, how, yeah. how did, you know, Jim Gaffigan get from where he was to where he is now or, or you know, Nate Bregazzi or all, all these guys. But, you know, yeah. just start out with the guys that I, I went up with. And, you know, I've, I've got friends that like Ivan Decker who have won a Juno now in Canada for his comedy album. And we started out together. Amazing. So, so obviously he's a little bit funnier than I am. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to know what podcasts you listen to. I could tell you right now. I should know this. I listen to a lot of speaking podcasts. One favorite, Kettner. My one favorite. I was just listening today. It was about Ben and Jerry's. And oh. it's How I Built This. It's by yeah. a guy named Guy Raz. R-A-Z. Sorry, Zed. Um, but he just, he goes and talks to people like it was Ben and Jerry's. Yeah. Tell me how you built Ben and Jerry's. So totally. it's a great podcast. Yep. What about your go-to book of choice? The book I just finished reading was Stories That Stick by uh-huh. Kendra Wall. Yeah. Because I really, I'm, I really love the comedians now who tell a story. Mm. It's just like the one-liners are a quick joke. Right. 
What are you most excited about in 2020? <laughs> For COVID to be over? No, I, I, I think through this, I am pretty positive. Uh, not 100% of the time, but I think through disruption, we're going to see a lot of changes better. And I think we're already seeing that in people connecting and reaching out and having real conversations like this versus on our phone and texting. I, I think that's as hurt us as a, as a society. So I'm really looking forward to getting back and being in front of people and helping people. So what gets me up in the morning is making people laugh and making people smile. You're adorable. <laughs> All right. Our last question. We wrap every podcast at Team Corker with this question. I want to know what is currently making your heart beat faster? Exercise. I like that. What form of exercise? <laughs> uh, I've been walking. I've not uh, exercised in the last five or 10 years, but I'm, I was going to the gym every morning at 5 a.m and working out lightweights and I just I want to get back to what I once weighed which was you know eight pounds six ounces <laughs> so that's to go. Well, with that there's no better way to wrap we will include links below on how people can reach out if they want to inject some humor into their workplace into their days when you're in Vancouver next we'll be sure to connect Absolutely. thanks for being you you make sure. the world a better place well, likewise, Steph, thanks for all that you do and, and, you know, making people's dreams come true with their career. And you're just, you're one of those people that are always, always a joy to talk with and always a joy to hang out with. Well, let's do it more. Yeah. I want your jokes. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Take care. Thanks, guys. Bye.